Welcome back to the Limitless Life podcast or welcome if you're new here. I'm stoked. I have a guest with me today um, who has really given me some of my own aha moments when it comes to healing and, you know, things like self-love and self-acceptance, which I know a lot of us tend to feel like those are some pretty trendy words and little buzzwordy things. We get into what fierce love is and we talk about things like shadow work and you know really what it's like to hit that space of feeling totally and completely lost and stuck in your life and now I know what you're thinking you're like wow this is gonna be a really deep conversation and it was a really deep conversation but it was also such a fun conversation. We laughed so much. She brings such good energy. Her name is Po Hung Yu, and she's a spiritual guide, a somatic healer, a plant medicine facilitator, and a self-intimacy teacher, which we'll get into more once I introduce her to you all. But she really guides people in their process of awakening and healing and embodiment and just being seen. So I think you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. Um, also before we dive into this episode, and I don't know, you're probably like me fast forward through the intros of podcasts all the time, but you're probably going to notice that there's no actual intro on this episode because I'm just kind of over my existing intro and I want to redo it. So there's going to be a little piece of music to lead us into the conversation and, uh, that's about it. So coming soon, there'll be a new intro, but I just don't feel energetically connected to the one that I've had, so I'm taking it out. So now that I've explained that, let's dive into this episode. So I'm super excited again to have a guest with me on the Limitless Life podcast. I have somebody who... I know you as a mystic, a spiritual guide, a medicine woman, and a somatic energy healer, and the host of the Dale Poe podcast. You are somebody who I've been listening to for a little while ago, whose your words have kind of impacted me and made me think. So I'm really excited to have Poe Hung Yu with me on the show today. We are going to dive deep into shit. You are going to want to get your pens and your notebooks and buckle in because this is going to be a great conversation. Welcome. I'm so excited to be here with you, Brenda. Um, yeah, we've already been giggling on our own pre-recording. Um, so I already know this is going to be a juicy conversation. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. So you are so interesting to me because you are such a mystical, spiritual person. And I know your dad has been a big influence. He's on her Instagram a lot. He's amazing. But I also know that you didn't start off doing this work. And so part of this podcast for me is to really help expand people's way of thinking and you know, help them understand that just because they're in a place in life right now doesn't mean they can't pivot and do 
something that follows their passion. So it's another reason I really wanted to have you on here is because you've done this. So before we dive into our chat, can you just tell people like, how did you start doing this type of work from where you came from? Like, where did you come from originally in corporate? Yeah. Um, so I was a banker, mortgage broker. I was a realtor at a certain point. I got my series seven, 63, six. That's like stockbroker's license. So I was in corporate um, because that's where the path actually guided me, honestly. And um, and then I was like, ooh, corporate is not for me. Um, I was, I'm naturally good with money and numbers. So um, maybe that's the Chinese in me, I don't know, but. <laughs> But I was definitely not made to work out of an office, and I felt that pretty quickly. Um, and so I was divinely guided out of a job through a layoff, which I was actually praying for. And it happened like miraculously. And I was like, oh my God, this is my out. And so that's when I first started entrepreneurship in my, like, it's been like, over a little over 20 years ago. So in my mid to late twenties. Um, so yeah. And then just like literally the magical breadcrumbs just kept unfolding, but at the time it didn't feel very magical necessarily. Um, I did have a moment of like, Oh, when I got laid off, I want to, I got a download to be a dog walker. Right. And so I became a dog walker, a pet sitter, and that was my first business. And I loved it because I love animals, but then it still was not the thing. I was getting bored. I needed I needed something else, and and then I was like, I want to help people. I want to help heal. I already had this instinct before I even went to school because I was a therapy a psychology major and I wanted to be a therapist. But then I didn't do it because I was like, oh, I don't want to listen to people's problems all the time. <laughs> So it's been like a whirlwind exploration, but like just trusting life in guiding me to the next right thing. And I eventually just found myself <laughs> wanting to be an acupuncturist because I was meditating one day and literally the word acupuncture came to my mind as I was just sitting there. And I was like, that's it. So that's kind of how my life has been is like these uh, intuitive hits, these these moments of awareness and realizing, oh, that's the next thing for me and not being afraid to go for it. So, you know, some people may see me as an impulsive person. I'm not at all. I'm just deeply connected to my intuition and I trust it. So yeah, I've been, I've had so many kinds of jobs and they all have been in service to what I'm doing now, even as a dog walker, right? So I learned how to train dogs. I learned how to really tap into the energetics of animals. I was already an empath in terms of animals, but I was able to like use what I learned with dog training with my clients. <laughs> it makes sense to me because I have a dog, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. And just like, there's just so many analogies. There's just so much wisdom that I picked along up along the way that has informed what I do now. So anytime people talk to me about like, oh, I'm not doing what I want to do, but there's like, I always remind them there's always something 
that you're going to learn that's so important that's going to add to the thing down the line. Mm, And I think it's really important to like the whole, I just listened to my intuition and I trusted it. And I think that's going to lead us into what we're going to be talking about today a lot because so many people disconnect from themselves. They don't listen to their intuition because we've been taught. I know I was taught. You have to be logical. You have to be realistic. And it took me till I was in my forties to realize that was a bunch of bullshit, but whatever (laughs) is what it is. Again, that's the path, right? Yes. So one of the topics you had been talking about that kind of blew my mind actually was all around the intimacy of being seen. And this is something that a lot of my clients come to me with. They're afraid to put themselves out there in business or in relationships. But I remember listening to you talk about this and I was like, oh, this is really interesting because you do a lot of work around helping people feel safe in their bodies, first of all, which we're also going to talk about. So you're talking about this intimacy of being seen And you say this one fucking thing that was like a punch in my gut. It was, you were talking about intimacy and you said, think about it, intimacy into me, you see. And I was like, fuck, it's not (laughs) even about the fear of being seen by others. It's us. Do we see us? So can, can we talk about that? Yes, I love this conversation already because, um, like you said, a lot of people just think it's about the external, like what other people are seeing. And, you know, that is eventually part of it too, right? We don't exclude that. But you have to first be able to see yourself with not only honest and transparent eyes, but also with loving eyes. And that seems to be the hardest part for most people from my experience of working with my students and clients and patients. So yeah, like, can you actually allow yourself to shed a layer of hiding from yourself? Mm -hmm. I know this one well, because I have gone through a whole life process around shedding layers, shedding invisibility cloaks, you know, in all kinds of forms, whether it was like, um, you know, like after sexual trauma, my I automatically gained a ton of weight because instinctually my body was trying to keep me safe by hiding. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a whole book about that. But like, you know, there's this, this one way, there's so many ways that we can hide. And not only from the outside world, but from ourself, like you said. Well, and it was wild to me because there was this whole thing about like self-love and self-acceptance. And that's great to me. I'm like, yeah, cool. But it was the the self-intimacy that just took it from being fluffy to me Mm. down into, no, this is what it's actually really about. I was like, okay, here we go. This, this is this is what I'm talking about. Because there's so many people talking, you got to love yourself. You got to do this. And I've done a ton of work on self-acceptance, tons of like years of stuff. 
but it was this that really made me think, whoa, but to be able to, and correct me if I'm wrong, to be able to have this self-intimacy, to be able to see all of the layers of yourself, you have to feel safe being in your body, right? Yes. Yes. And I love that you said this is definitely not fluffy work. I mean, when I talk about love, this is like fierce. Yeah. Love, you know, but yeah, you, you, the first step is safety because, because uh, otherwise you won't feel um, willing or able to shed. Right. Because it's like, how am I going to get naked? You're asking me to like get naked or take off a layer when I don't even feel comfortable in my own body and I don't feel safe and my nervous system is, you know, freaking out. Like it, it absolutely is the ground level. And I think a lot of times what happens is people want to skip that step, yep. which is the, the biggest step and takes the longest time, I would say. And that's, it's important to dedicate consistent practice towards those basic foundational steps. Otherwise, then it the house can crumble, right? If we don't have that foundation. Girl, that's I use that analogy all the time. Like you can't build your dream house on a big pile of shit because <laughs> yes. it's going to fall down. And it's easy to not want to do the deeper work because let's be real, it can suck. But it's so worth it if you're willing to do that I just want to back up a second too because I know when we're talking about feeling safe in your body and the nervous system some people might not know what that means so can you explain a little bit about what it means to be in your body yes um so the way I like to describe it is that you are attuned to it meaning you are listening, you are feeling. And what you're feeling is the sensations in your body or the emotions in your body, um, the needs of your body, the desires of your body, right? Just really giving yourself permission to have enough spaciousness to connect to what the wisdom of your body is saying and asking for, but also just like, yeah, literally just <laughs> being her bitch. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't really say that, but it's true. Like in a way, like, are you, are you willing to like surrender and receive the wisdom of your body and how she's guiding you? I'm assuming that you work with most women. That's why I'm using that pronoun but for anybody this is true so um and you do it little at a time right so it, it's it's a process that takes patience and courage because it's so um conditioned in us to live in our heads and a lot of times people do a lot of work in their heads to avoid the work in their body <laughs> yeah which is also why i loved like getting to know the work you do because I'm we have similar ways of being so for me you can't just do the mindset work it's it's mind body spirit it all goes together you have to work together and so when I heard you talking about that too I was like oh yes yes mm. <laughs> this is so good 
But it can be scary because there's a lot of, most people have been through trauma, right? And so this pain lives in this body, in the cells and the nervous system and, you know, um, and it impacts the way you behave, the way you think, the way you relate with the outside world and how you feel safe or not in your own body and vessel. So um, I think it's really important to respect the body in this way and really tap in like say give yourself permission okay what am i feeling today even if it's just like a one percent more right nobody's asking you to jump right into your trauma it's really about meeting yourself where you are how am i feeling in this moment always checking in always checking in making that a common thing that's something important you just said too, is even if it's just 1% more, I've had clients come to me who've worked with other practitioners who basically tried to shove them back in their bodies and it set them back immensely. And it's like, we, we haven't been inside of our bodies for so long. It's not safe for us just to be shoved back in there. And it's not fucking comfortable either. Cause I've experienced part of that where somebody tried to put me back in too fast. And I was just like, no, like I lit, it was like, I short circuited is how I would explain that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so that really is a, a responsibility of the facilitator to check in and to not get in our own way in terms of letting our ego wanting to go fast, you know, allowing the ego to lead. Um, and trusting that this person's process and pace is perfect, right? I think a lot of times people want to, are so um, inundated with speed, culturally needing to go faster. And so when we allow ourselves as a practitioner, a facilitator to take it easy, then it's easier for me to hold space for somebody else and respect their pace. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. It's the cultural moving fast thing, that instant gratification. Cause even when I'm working with people, everything is permission-based. Like I'm asking their energy and their body, if it's okay to do the thing we're going to be doing and I'll have them in their heads going, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> like, we just because we want to go faster doesn't mean all of our systems want that to happen. And I, it's so important to find the right practitioner to work with the right people because it can, it can short circuit you. Yeah. A hundred percent. The best way I can explain that experience, but I was working with somebody who was not ethical is what we'll say there. <laughs> so yeah, I want to talk about this whole intimacy, like some more of this intimacy. So something else you had said at one point was there's a difference between um, intimacy, like body consciousness and intimacy consciousness. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, because um, I don't even remember what I said, but basically um, a lot of times people will think that just because your 
body conscious, like maybe an athlete or something like that, right? They they could be very body conscious, meaning they know what their body needs in terms of nutrition or movement um, or even self-care, right? Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are connected to themselves on an intimate level of seeing these deeper layers of themselves. And so it, and sometimes we just focus on the physical and distract ourselves with that as a way to avoid going into the, the other stuff that lives underneath. But um, my invitation with that is like, what is it that you are trying not to be with? Like what part of you are you trying to not be with or feel? And usually it's like some younger part of ourself, right? And um, so, yeah, just because somebody's like athletic and like, or a, a yogi and, and is tuned into their body doesn't mean that they actually necessarily feel safe in it or allow other people to see, to see them in intimate spots or necessarily have self-intimacy. Maybe they don't even look at themselves in the mirror and see beauty, right? even though they might be like in the best top shape of their life and look amazing. Well, and that's true because I work with a lot of professional athletes and a lot of professional like bodybuilders and I've had clients, they will be so mean to their bodies. And once they start having nicer conversations, they see the changes. I had a client one time, she, her quads would not grow. And she would walk by the mirror and she'd be like, oh God, my legs are just so small and they're not doing what I'm like, have you ever considered like walking by the mirror and being like, man, my legs are amazing. They carry me through life. And so she started having these conversations and the results were amazing for her. And that was the little step it took for her to become or to feel safe going back inside of her body. Hmm. So can you give people an example of some simple things that they can start doing to cultivate this self-intimacy for them? Yeah, the first thing I always recommend is mirror work. And I know that it's gotten some like, you know, people are like, oh, that's so cheesy, like looking at yourself saying I love you or whatever. But it's a very profound practice, actually, um, when you drop in and look at yourself like really see yourself look in your eyes connect with the spirit that lives inside your vessel look at the beauty of you like looking at you with these neutral eyes that don't have the judgment right attached to it i call it love filtered eyes and so um yeah just like even just looking at yourself eye contact it doesn't even have to be your whole body at this point right just connecting with yourself and feeling who you really are inside um so that's one way another way to develop intimacy with yourself is like calling yourself out like when you're activated and you're noticing oh i'm feeling a certain way let yourself be with that activation right instead of uh being reactive or um shoving it down and containing it 
like, can you just meet yourself and feel what's alive for you in that moment? Just even if it's just for a little bit, right? You don't need to face it head on if you don't feel like you have the capacity for it. But what, where are, what kind of capacity do you have right now? Can you allow yourself to be with that emotion, that discomfort, just a little bit more, maybe 1% more, maybe a minute more, you know, like I, I'm always talking about leaning into your edges and expanding your capacity in all ways, whether it's receiving or feeling and, um, and that doesn't mean we have to like push through our edges, but really feel where is our edge and maybe we can just like lean into it a little bit and that means discomfort but just like with working out you need to feel that discomfort in order to work your body out right well and i love that that way of thinking like just lean into the edges i don't i don't think most people know where their edges are this is true yeah and that's why it's really great to work with somebody that can guide you because they can help you to see and feel what the edges are. Um, if you don't have somebody working with you, then I would start to journal and write about like where your fears are, you know, what, where, what is, what feels like scary to you? What, where, when does your body get activated when you think about doing something? For example, we're talking about intimacy and being seen, right? So, um, Maybe you're like, oh my God, I'm so afraid. Okay, well, this is something I talked about in one of my episodes in my podcast um, about making love. And for me, it was really scary for a long time to make love. I was more comfortable having um, like doing kink or BDSM or being dominant as a way to avoid the but more vulnerable, tender lovemaking. And I still, I still love BDSM and kick. I'm not like, damn, yeah. <laughs> I loved it, but I, you can use anything to avoid, right? And so um, I knew my edge was making love, but it took years for me to get it to a point where I could actually do it. I couldn't do it until I was in my forties. And but I was practicing over that period of time of years of, okay, where am I feeling some discomfort, but like, like, like tenderness or vulnerability that feels like I can practice right now, you know, maybe at first it was like kind of opening my eyes for a moment and then closing it back again you know, up until a point where I could actually like really look into my partner's eyes at that point and let him see me in that moment, you know? And so it really is about feeling where there's some activation in your body, but not to a place where you feel like you are gonna freeze or you're you gotta you gotta run right so you're not trying to activate your nervous system to a point of like a trauma response for example but you do want to notice some kind of discomfort that you can lean into mm. does that make sense yeah that's so good this is gonna be such a powerful episode for people which i already knew was gonna happen but that's yeah 
that's a really big piece of it. So I know you also do work with like shadow work and stuff. How does, if it even does, how does that play into this whole relationship to intimacy? Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, shadow work to me is also light work because you need the light to illuminate the shadow spaces. And um, and I know that's a lot of what you do because you're working with the subconscious, right? And so um, it's it's really about following, again, the wisdom of the body. Like when you're activated, there's that's an entry point. There's a possibility of healing to happen there at any time you're triggered or activated. You can follow that emotion and it can guide you actually into a, a, a wound, an old uh, memory perhaps, or even a trauma. And it gives you this opportunity to feel it which is the thing that helps to alchemize it. And so shadow work to me is a big part of intimacy because we need to shed and heal in order to feel connection. That's really what intimacy is, is allowing that, that deeper level of connection with yourself or with somebody else. And so if you're like busy avoiding the shadow work, and it's just kind of like lingering there, you know, and you're trying to be intimate, but you're like, oh, I can't because this whole, this, this thing is like in my basement and I'm trying to act like it's not, <laughs> then it's going to be challenging, right? So we, we need to do both. We need to do the inner work and the outer work, meaning the, the practicing with people right? Like with intimacy, with if you're talking about intimacy with another person. So we, we can't avoid the shadow. It's going to come for us. Like honestly, and it does on a daily, right? It, we have opportunities on a regular, and it could be something that you don't even think is related to a pain point that you have that triggers it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it could be something so random with a stranger that something happens and then you're like triggered. And then if you allow yourself to drop into the sensation and the emotions that are bubbling up from that experience, it could take you into a place that you didn't even realize was connected to that initial trigger. Which is so wild and it's so fascinating. And I always tell people too, like, we don't need to necessarily go looking for things. They're going to show up when they're ready to be dealt with. And let me tell you, it's like what you're saying. If you are not listening, the shit is going to get louder and louder and louder until you listen to it. We don't need to go looking. It's going to come and say, hey, I'm right here. Can you pay attention to me now? Yes. Yes. We have so many opportunities and, um, yeah, are we are we paying attention? And and I think more than that, are you creating the space? You know, because I think that's a big part. I feel like a lot of people have the, a hard time with is actually creating space for themselves to feel. Yeah, because it's scary. Yeah, and you and I when we first met, I. <laughs> I literally, you poked me in the spot and I burst into tears. I was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. That was weird, <laughs> but it is because for years, and I was telling you, 
I didn't even think I had emotions until I was in my forties. And then it was like, oh, fuck, now I can't shut the emotions off. Like, can we just turn, turn it off, turn it off. We can't deal with this. <laughs> so yeah, the it, faucet was open. Yeah. It becomes very easy to tell yourself you can't make space for it. Cause again, sometimes it sucks. Yeah. It's pain. It can be absolutely painful. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. Um, but the thing is when we allow ourselves to feel what's true in the moment, that's, that's a deep honoring. It's like, uh, it's reverence. It's really seeing what our experience is as sacred and, um, it's, there's nothing more compassionate than that, you know, like self-care to me is really so deep and profound. It's in these micro moments of really giving ourselves that permission, whatever it is. Yeah. And I came to realize, I think I was around 38 while I was starting to do all of the deep digging. It was like, for me, I think what would be more scary is not making the space to do the work. It would be more scary for me to have said, no, I'm just going to stay stuck in this space of feeling uninspired and stuck and overwhelmed. And like, I'm just kind of dragging through life. That would be fucking scary to me. 100%. That's, that's that moment of like, reckoning right that i think a lot of people come to and may come to multiple times um throughout the life at a different level um sorry there's somebody mowing next door do you want me to okay um yeah so just like i forgot what i was saying now the day of reckoning yeah reckoning so yes and that's the thing it's like that moment where you realize oh yeah like my life is going to stay in a place of suffering versus just letting myself be in the aliveness of feeling. Cause that's really what creates aliveness in our life is being with whatever is, you know, and not trying to push it down or, you know, contain it. And that includes our joy. Right. And so like this, you can't selectively numb. And so if, we are containing our grief or our pain and things that need to be felt. We're also probably containing our joy someplace or our gratitude. Um, And so this process of expanding our capacity on all levels is really about um, feeling. Feeling expands our capacity. And I love that too, because there's so many people out there that are like, you know, just tap into joy, tap into the gratitude, tap in. And it's almost like you just said it. You have to have both. We can't have just one. We can't be chasing the joy, but not looking at the other stuff. Yeah. And so I think that's really important for people to know and understand because it can be very easy to have this false sense of, oh, I'm experiencing joy. Am I experiencing joy though? Do I actually know joy? Cause I went through that. Mm. I was addicted to struggle for my whole entire fucking life. 
So for me, struggle made me feel more comfortable because mm-hmm. that's what I was taught, but from society. <laughs> so yeah, that's a very, again, interesting thing to go, okay, I'm, I'm tuning into the, the nice things, but am I also allowing myself to feel the shit things and not get stuck in them? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I notice um, like some people tend to lean towards doing like the shadow work. Some people tend to lean towards the, the higher chakra. Um, so I always recommend people to explore the part that they don't usually feel drawn to naturally, <laughs> you know, because somebody could be uh, in the shadow work all the time and then they become swampy. Right. So it's not about it's not meaning that one is better than the other. It's that finding a place of more balance and tending to an area that is actually an edge for you is the space that you is unexplored um, is more mysterious to you. And it tends to be the shadow work, but that's not for every that's not everybody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is expanding your capacity for intimacy it is different for everybody it looks different for all people yes 100 percent. i mean everybody has their own path and so that's why it's so important to be attuned to what your desire is like i said what your body is asking of you and and following that and um and everybody has different desires you know, not everybody wants the same thing. And so what, instead of like t- thinking your desire is X, Y, or Z, because the collective has maybe installed that programming into your system, um, feeling into what's true for you. This is big. A lot of people don't know what they desire, actually. Uh, it's true. And also, a lot of people are uncomfortable with the word desire. Mm-hmm. Um, desire to me is such a just like delicious word for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like, you know, it's that next level of ownership of who you are and, um, and being a sovereign being, you know, like saying, like, this is my life. This is what I desire. And I'm going to lean towards it. I'm going to take steps to to be with that and create it in my life and, and not follow what I am calling this collective unconscious wave, like meaning following the masses, you know, like there's a trend or because everybody's saying that they want this and and then you think you want it, but maybe you really don't. Oh, yes. Maybe you don't, you know, like maybe you, like I realized that um, in terms of marriage or relationship, like I prefer to have space. Like I, yes, I want to be married, I want a life partner. I don't think I want to live with this person though, whoever it will be, you know? So it's like, we get to choose for ourselves what feels good to us and what's in alignment with our individual and unique system. Cause we all have a different system. 
Yes. And this is such a big thing too, especially for a lot of the women who are mothers and doing all the things. And they're realizing now at a certain point in time that they put themselves on the back burner and now they're trying to really lean into what they desire. And they have this massive guilt and shame about wanting to be okay having these desires. Yes. I see that a lot too. Yeah. I see that a lot too. And um, I'm not a mother, so I can't um, speak to it in the same way as a mother would, but as a person who has guided many mothers, um, I know that when a mother or anybody puts themselves first, then everybody else benefits, including the children. And I know that can be very maybe activating to some moms like, oh my God, I have to put my kids first. No, you don't. Because if you're not full and you're, then it, what are you giving? What, what, what are you able to overflow, right? Um, this gas tank analogy, right? It, like you need to fill up your own tank first. So um, I, I, I really love working with moms in this way because they so want to come back to themselves. They so want this uh, to create space for themselves. They just might not know how or have not given themselves permission. That really is usually the thing. Yeah, it's massive. It's massive. Mm -hmm. I think for all people, they give ourselves permission to go, no, it's okay to want more for myself. Yeah. It's okay to want more for my life. It's okay to want more. Yeah. And that more could be something so fucking simple, like time and space, right? Sometimes it's like the more is the less, you know, like sometimes it's like a, a deleting or an uncluttering or a letting go of versus adding on to. Um, and sometimes it's the other. So it really is different for everybody. And so I say that because when we say desire, I think a lot of times people are thinking about these massive big things and that could be the case. And it could be something super like what might seem small that you might judge as small and, but is really important to you and what you really need. So um, there's no hierarchy of anything. That's how I see it. I love that. I want to do a little, it's not a detour, but it's all included in this. Cause there's just, <laughs> there's so much about you that I want people to understand. You, you all have to go listen to our podcast and you'll get to know what I'm talking about. So when it comes to intimacy and desire, obviously love is a part of that. And your thing is about fierce love. Can you explain a little bit what that means to you? Yeah. Love shows up in such a range. And I think a lot of times, like kind of you, you were alluding to earlier, sometimes when people are saying love, it has like a fluffy vibe to it. Mm -hmm. And it can totally be like this really like soft and sweet and um, tender, like that's so important. But also fierce love um, is also important too, meaning I'm 
it can show up in different ways. So one way could be like, I have a boundary, like I'm a no to this, right? And it doesn't have to be in terms of an, a boundary with somebody outside of you. It could be with your own self, right? Like with your own ego creating a boundary. And um, like, it could be just <laughs> saying like, oh, you're doing this thing again, like that moment of reckoning, right? Like, oh, okay, girl, I see you're doing this thing again. Like, and this is me talking to myself years ago saying, oh, you're totally addicted to suffering, Poe. You know, um, I'm done. Like, am I, are you done with this? Okay, I'm done. Like being fierce about that commitment to self. Um, but then in those moments of like, say, an activated moment or I'm feeling emotional or something, that fierce love can also be the the most accepting compassionate and soft energy that's fierce too like that's what I, I guess that's really what i'm saying is that fierceness can look all different ways it doesn't have just one face because i know for me when i'm going through it um when i used to i when i used to go through it i used to be so unkind to myself in those moments right the shame the judgment blah 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 all the layers on top but being fierce in those moments meant me not allowing myself to be unkind to myself anymore and being like babe what do you need right now like just do you need to cry your eyes out do you do you need to call somebody do you need to just like hold yourself what is it that you need do you need to do some car screaming <laughs> yes but you guys are not friends. Yeah, I go ahead. <laughs> it's one of my new favorite things that Poe has introduced me to. I had screamed into pillows before, whatever, and we were having this conversation. She's like, no, girl, no, get the fuck in your car, put the angry music on, and fucking scream at the top of your lungs. And there's this moment where I was like, that old the stories come back, right? Oh, well should I be screaming in my car? Like, is that, aren't, aren't people going to look at me? And I was having a day and I was driving home from the gym and I put the fucking angry music on and I was screaming at the top of my lungs and there was cars all around me and I didn't fucking care. And I was just like, <sighs> it was and then you texted me. I texted you. I'm like, fuck screaming in the car is the best thing ever. But like fucking scream if you're going to do it. Don't yes. miss out. Like scream. And I was holding the steering wheel and I think I was crying, like angry crying. And then it was just done. I was just like, oh. and I felt way better because mm. I had to release that. So yeah, car screaming, highly recommend five out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so good it's so satisfying and I, I yeah I feel like I'm like okay if you're gonna car scream feel free to tag us on Instagram no, don't <laughs> don't do that don't be filming yourself while you're driving and screaming at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> safety first y'all <laughs> but that's fierce love right even that at any time we um make a different choice even if it's 1%, one degree shift, that's fierce. That's how I see it. Because 
we're so wired a certain way on in our nervous system in our body there's such a wiring it creates a groove and so in order to shift it and rewire it it takes time and practice over and over so even just a one degree shift is major because you're doing something that's not normal for you yeah exactly and something that's different and you were talking about like not everybody wants to do the same type of things I have a friend who loves the whole like just ecstatic dance thing that's not my thing I I don't like it but because I was going along with the whole oh this is what you should be doing I was like but no this doesn't feel right to me fucking car screaming to me that is my my thing (laughs) (laughs) right and and what happens is you got to try new things right so exploring being curious allowing yourself to just try new modalities and then you'll you'll feel when it feels resonant and that's the same thing with people like who you work with right um so to me i think um a lot of my growth has happened because i have been such a curious person and willing to do new things and willing to be in uncomfortable positions or feel uncomfortable trying, you know, just to me, like, I, I know everybody's different and they have a different capacity. I came in with a much larger capacity. So um, I don't ever say that people need to do it like me. You know, I have five placements in Scorpio, you guys. So. <laughs> If you all know about astrology, we're known for like, you know, transformation, death, rebirth, the Phoenix rising. So um, (laughs) I'll never recommend somebody to go at my pace unless they feel also that they are that type of person that are have that capacity. But just shifting a little bit makes it's cumulative. It, It adds up and you start to notice over time that, oh, my God. I'm able to do something that I didn't even feel comfortable doing. And now it's like natural for me. That's possible. It's all possible, you know, for me to be on the other side and I'm not perfect. I'm always practicing. I consider myself a beginner all the time. Um, But where I came from to where I am now, I'm free. You know, I have a freedom because I trust myself i trust the process i trust the divine and um i just allow myself to be in the natural organic unfolding you know as nature intended and so if i can do that anybody can i am not special i just have a burning desire that was lit in me since I was young and I just always allowed myself to tap into that desire. And that desire was, I wanna be happy. Honestly, that was my desire at 20 something years old because I had been depressed for many, many years and you know, suicidal and all the things, right? So I just wanted to be happy. And I hit a certain bottom um, after losing a bunch of money on online gambling in my twenties, um, I was just looking for anything to distract me, you know, and, um, not feel, um, that's why I know this whole process so well. Cause I've been through all of that. And I had a moment of reckoning where I was just like, okay, I'm on the ground right now. 
and it's so fucking dark and I'm so scared and I don't know what to do. Um, but I saw myself in a tunnel and it was, there was like a glimmer of light mm -hmm. at the very end of the tunnel. And I was literally on the ground in this imagery. And I was like, okay, there's the light right there. That's my desire, my happiness, right? And I couldn't get up to walk towards it, but I could crawl. And so that's what I mean by these 1% or one degree shifts is that when we meet ourselves where we are, and if you have more capacity than 1%, then great, fucking go for it. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't in that moment. So I just crawled. And then I was able to eventually stand up. Then I was eventually able to walk faster, right? And so the momentum starts to pick up when you do this work. And then years later, I, I found myself in a moment where I felt happy. And I was like, oh my God, it, it happened. And, and, and not to say that I never felt happiness before because I laughed a lot and everything, but I could always feel this like deep, deep despair um, inside, no matter, even though on the outside it looked fine, um, which I think a lot of people can relate with. And so eventually I got to the light and I realized the light was always in me as, as cheesy as that sounds, right? <laughs> it's true, it is. It's like the self-intimacy, the intimacy is inside of us. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, I actually feel truly happy. And I didn't know if that was possible for myself. Like I honestly, for many years of my life thought I was going to die unhappy and not know this feeling. And so all that to say is that it took years of practice and moving towards it. And I never gave up. I just held that desire no matter what. Even when I fell down again, I just got back up. Just that resilience, just like, just keep going. You know, you rest and then you keep going again, you know? And, 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 and having people support me along the way, not do it alone. No, it's very, no, you can't do it alone. And also something important you just said, it takes practice. This, you don't just see somebody like Poe or me, and then you're magically healed. You have to take actions. You have to practice so that you can move forward. Practice is everything. You know, they, they say time heals. No, I, I don't think time heals. I think practice heals. Um, uh, yes. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like you can, for instance, my mom passed away uh, when I was almost turning 30, a few months before I turned 30. I'm 47 now. And so I, they say, oh yeah, grief, you know, time will heal that. No, it doesn't, you have to actually be um, engaged in the healing. You know, it's it's a it's a cultivation. It's something that you're active in and it doesn't just happen to you just because time has passed. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, this has been such a good conversation. How can people find you? I know you're working on a new program around intimacy. Yeah, it's it's about being seen. And I mean, I guess the term is visibility, but it's not necessarily about being visible on social media or anything like that. It's about 
being visible to yourself and then eventually letting other people see you more too. Um, so that's coming out in May. Um, so stay tuned for that. You all can follow me on Instagram at pohong.u or Facebook. Also, my website is Dao of Po. That's T-A-O-O-F-P-O.com. That's also the name of my podcast. So yeah, I'm I'm active in my Instagram stories. I would love for you to DM me and you know, we could chat and see what you need support in. And I would love to guide you in whatever way I can. And I'm going to have all of your stuff linked up in the show notes for people before I let you go. This is called the Limitless Life Podcast for a reason. I always love to ask people, what does having a limitless life mean to you? Oh, limitless life to me means that I trust that life is always giving to me and is for me. So it means that I'm not being victimized by my circumstances necessarily. I get to see other possibilities outside of the box. And from that place, then I can move in a free flowing, fluid, surrendered to life way and receptive way. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about being in flow. That's like, my whole thing, following the energy, trusting the flow, trusting the the circular motion of life. Um, That's why I teach Taoism, which is yin and yang. And so, yeah, just like listening and following basically what we've been talking about. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, taking time out of your day to have this conversation. I know that there's gonna be people having like mind blowing moments. If you guys loved this conversation, screenshot it tag us on instagram so we know that you love these conversations and thank you again so much for joining us today this is so fun brenda thank you for having me 